on Valentine's Day, Air India sealed with a kiss a historic aircraft purchase deal. It's a huge deal. In fact, this is the single largest order by one airline for new aircraft that has ever been placed. A total of 470 planes being ordered by Air India, and the deal is pretty much split 50-50 between Boeing and Airbus. Airbus is contributing to the outstanding development of India, and the new 250 aircraft, which will be delivered to Air India, will be one more step in this direction. President Biden noted how the sale will support over 1 million American jobs across 44 states. From being a financial mess struggling to find buyers to placing the biggest plane order in the world, Air India under the Tata Group has taken a massive leap. The deal can be incredibly impactful. It means a much-needed complete makeover for the airline product. It has the potential to give it a formidable global network to take on the best in the world. It can also help the airline and its parent, the Tata Group, to form deeper business relationships with the biggest aerospace companies in the world, plane makers and engine manufacturers. But in order to make perfect use of this mammoth order and what it brings, Air India will have to first set its very problematic, loss-ridden, disreputable house in order. It's the 21st of February, from the Economic Times, I'm Anirban Chaudhary, and today I go behind the scenes of Air India's order for 470 aircraft and analyze whether it'll make it a truly global airline. In this episode, you will hear some fantastic insights from John Strickland, Director of JLS Consulting London, Amit Thakran, Associate Practice Lead at the consultant Kappa Centre for Aviation, and my colleague who pilots ET's aviation coverage, Arindam Majumdar. You're listening to The Morning Brief. The Tata's business empire spans salt to software, aviation to automobile. But Ratan Tata has always had a deep emotional connect, a certain longing even, for Air India. After all, it was started by the conglomerate's patriarch, J.R.D. Tata, and taken to the league of the best airlines in the world before the government took it over in 1953 and later almost ran it to the ground. So close to 70 years after that, the Tatas took over the airline again in January 2022. Taken over Air India, Tata Sun's chairperson said, delighted that it's back. So after 67 years, uh, this is a homecoming. The aim is to restore its lost glory. Air India is piled with debt and losses, but also its product is like the debris of its former self. Old planes, some of them obsolete, with broken seats and bad interiors. So, obviously, getting new planes was priority number one. And so, the feelers were sent out to the world and the sellers started coming. So, since February onwards, there have been regular visits by executives of both Airbus, Boeing and the top engine manufacturers like General Electric or CFM or Pratt & Whitney to Tata headquarters, meeting them, walking towards the deal. So that kind of set the bedrock of the deal. On March 22 or 22nd, Airbus flew their A350 product to India, to Delhi, and then to Bombay. And their two photos, if you remember, were leaked 
Ratan Tata, who is in his very, very frail health, was being lifted to visit the A350 aircraft. He was taken to the airport and lifted by crane to enter the aircraft and to visit the aircraft. So such was the extent that Airbus went to. It was almost clear that the sales speech has worked and Air India was working towards an aircraft order. It was actually May or June when aviation journalists got a whiff of it through a leaked letter. The letter was from the Air India management to its pilots, offering them an opportunity to train for flying the Airbus A350 fleet. The Airbus A350, the likes of which do not fly in India yet. Neither had any been ordered. Something was up, but no one knew the truly gigantic proportions of it until... In the leasing conference in Dublin, it was the Air Lease CEO who dropped a bomb saying that Air India is looking for almost 500 aircraft. So that's when that number started doing round. That was 300, 400, 500. So since then, in Tata's formed a team, crack team. They flew in reps from other companies who have worked on other deals. The chief commercial officer, Nipun Agarwal, is someone who has worked on these Air India disinvestment from the Tata side, who has been part of other marquee Tata sons acquisitions, and most importantly, the Bush and Steel acquisition insolvency process. So he was asked to form a team by the chairman, Chandra Shekran. In November, the Tatas decided the rest of the negotiations would happen outside of India. So the crack team that Chandra had set up went to London and parked themselves at the St. James Court Hotel, a sprawling Victorian property owned by the Tatas. That was Diwali. People began to expect an order announcement by the end of the year. But the negotiations carried on. Someone involved in the deal told me that never did it look like that this Tata team hadn't been through a aircraft acquisition process before, which is a very, very complex thing. So it stretched up to almost one more month. And I believe the chief commercial officer who should be in Delhi ideally like running the show, had to fly in and out from London, Delhi regularly, like almost mm. once a week. Uh, January 29th was when they wrapped up the deal, followed up by Airbus deal on Feb 11. And subsequently, it was, it was announced to the world on 14th of February, Valentine's Day. A good day for such a milestone, given Air India is Ratan Tata's labor of love. Now, the deal is valued at over $80 billion at list prices. Air India would have obviously got a hefty discount. Now, it has ordered 250 Airbus planes. 140 of them are A320neos, 70 A321neos, 34 A350-1000 and 6 A350-900 aircraft. It will also buy 190 Boeing 737 MAX aircraft, 20 Boeing 7879 Dreamliners and 10 7779 planes from Boeing. So what do these various aircraft types mean? I decided to start my conversation by asking John to give our listeners the most basic information. Where will these aircraft take them? How will they widen Air India's reach? Well, aircraft like the A320 family and the Boeing 737 family have traditionally been used on short-haul flights. So I think we can still expect to see these aircraft performing those roles, uh, as is the case today with previous generation aircraft. 
But equally, the new versions of these aircraft, the 737 MAX, the A321neo, that's new engine option, the long-range version of that, are doing something quite exciting from an airline point of view. They're allowing aircraft which were originally built and designed to operate short-haul to operate in some quite long-haul markets. We've already seen early examples of this. With, For example, in Europe, we see Aer Lingus flying Airbus 321neo and LR aircraft across the Atlantic. We see Wizz Air, one of the largest low-cost carriers in Europe, now doing long-haul flights between Europe and Abu Dhabi and Saudi Arabia. So we'll have narrow-bodied aircraft, that is aircraft with one aisle, operating really quite long-range flights. But these are much more efficient planes from an airline point of view and much more comfortable from a passenger point of view. And the economics of operating a single aisle plane long haul means that you have a, a lower cost per seat, which is a key driver, the key metric for an airline and efficiency. But that allows lower pricing, which of course in India is extremely important, not only in the local domestic market, but in long haul too, given the large element of the market, which is price sensitive. John, you said that choice of aircraft, even wide body aircraft for various routes. Do you think futuristic airport congestion, probably slot constraint in airport like London or many European airports, played a part in the choice of aircraft for the both A350-900 and A350-1000? It's quite possible that was factored in, and you raise a very good point, because we've heard in recent years from one of the other industry leaders, Tim Clark, the president of Emirates, he's talked about the world post-A380 era. Now, of course, Emirates is the largest operator of a double-decker A380 flying upwards of 500 or more people on those aircraft now. That aircraft has been discontinued in production, and he's been somewhat critical of both Airbus and Boeing for not producing another large aircraft, but the largest aircraft which will remain in the decades ahead are exactly the ones we're talking about. A number of airports are going to become more and more constrained. So while we don't have a replacement for the really large A380, I think Air India will be looking at this and considering capacity constraints, not only on the points it serves uh, from India, but indeed in India itself, where we already have congestion problems at airports like uh, Delhi and Mumbai. So the larger the aircraft you can operate, the more people you can move on one slot, one arrival slot, one departure slot at an airport. So it's definitely a, an important factor. So Amit, the Tatas are currently running like a house of brands, right? Air India, Air India Express, Vistara, Air Asia India. There's a low-cost carrier, there's a full-service product. What kind of mix and match in product can we expect in light of the huge order? I think before placing this fleet order, the group must have had their product plan in place. They may be you know, thinking of first making changes to their existing fleet. The existing fleet first will be refurbished to align with the new product specifications. And that can be done relatively quickly before the new fleet starts coming in. It is public news now that Tata's are thinking of combining these four entities into two. Air Asia India has already been merged into Air India Express and those two combined airlines I think will become the LCC arm of the Tata group in future. And Vistara will be merged into Air India and that will be the FSC arm going forward. But both, while they may operate as a under separate brands on the front end. At the back end, I think the network will be integrated as if they are single airlines. They will operate as a single entity. On international front, FSC will try to target the long-haul market and ultra-long-haul market. 
And LTC may focus on regional international routes where there is not a lot of uh, premium demand. So going forward, mm-hmm. both domestic and international passengers can expect to have one leg on LCC even if they have booked an FSC flight or vice versa. If you look at the LCC right. and FSC differently, I think the LCC can be standardized first because AirAsia India and AirAsia India Express both are already operating as LCCs and they have a single class configuration. So there are not a lot of product level differences, especially in the aircraft. And then later, they will have to redo the FSC product because Vistara has its own product and uh, Air India has its own product inside the aircraft, outside the aircraft. So it will be a little more complex to uh, redo that product and customers may see that those changes may be, you know, after Mm -hmm. some time. So on the LCC front, we expect the front end to be visible or the product side, new product side to be visible by FI24 or FI25. But the the FSC Mm -hmm. may take, I think, a little longer from now. So John, I'd like to ask you, Air India is getting into premium economy as well. What do you think of that in terms of the product mix? I think it's very important that with this fleet renewal, particularly the wide-bodied ultra-long-haul aircraft, the A350s and the 777, that Air India is introducing a premium economy cabin. I think this is a real positive element that should produce really strong revenue results for future, as well as a better product proposition for customers. We've seen airlines all over the world adding premium economy. And what it does is it recognizes that not everybody in the economy cabin is ultra price sensitive and happy to sit in, in, a, in a, a large mass of people on a long haul flight. There are those who have the financial means to pay a bit more, but not as much as a business class ticket who will willingly pay a premium to have that extra space and comfort and more relaxed experience by going in a smaller cabin. And where premium economy has been introduced by other airlines, it's become regarded as the most profitable cabin. We've seen more recently Emirates is only just rolling out premium economy on part of its fleet. And I think this is an important step for India, given the size of the population, the growing middle-class component, those who have income and ability to spend for a more comfortable travel experience. And as ultra-long-haul routes come in, supported by the range capability of these uh, new aircraft, it's even more important that the focus is there for comfort in all cabins and adding a premium product between business class and the conventional economy service is going to be a key strand of the strategy of making the best use of these new aircraft. You know, there are a lot of headlines which have said that this is, you know, Air India aspiring to be the new Emirates or, you know, competing with the new Emirates. On that, I wanted to ask how important is it for Air India to build an international hub, possibly in India or outside? How soon should they do it and how will this new fleet help them, help Air India? Of course, we see other airlines relatively close by. When I say close by, I'm talking particularly about the Middle East and to some extent parts of Asia having hub operations. Emirates is the one which springs to mind most readily in Dubai. I think there isn't an immediate need, sense of priority for Air India to attempt to set up a hub because what it what it has to its benefit is, of course, an enormously large local point-to-point market, not least with the Indian diaspora in many parts of the world, including Europe, parts of Asia and US and Canada to operate a significant number of point-to-point flights just on the basis of that demand. 
as the fleet grows, and of course this is an enormous order, so the airline is going to grow in size and it's looking understandably to develop new routes, then it can start to look at uh, hubbing somewhat more so that it can fill up seats on flights that cannot be filled by local traffic with passengers making a myriad of connections. But to run a hub is more complex. It does require a different set of planning approaches in terms of the use of the fleet, in terms of the marketing and pricing of the product. And sometimes that can be at odds with optimizing the the point-to-point market. So I don't doubt that this is part of the uh, strategy and that it will come, but I don't think it's an immediate urgency. Gentlemen, I wanted to understand here about the challenges of inducting such a wide variety of fleet in your operations. Like there are challenges about uh, managing customer reputation, expectation, revenue management, maintenance contracts, deployment of aircraft. So when these different types of aircraft start joining the fleet simultaneously, what is the one thing that the Tata should keep in mind and what are the challenges that they may face? I think you raise a a really key question. I mean, the the whole order, of course, is split substantially 50-50 amongst both manufacturers. And you could indeed ask that question about what does that mean in terms of efficiency. Obviously, the larger orders are in the narrow-bodied aircraft category, the 737 MAX and the A320, A321 families. But you could, on the one hand, argue that the scale makes it sensible to have uh, options open. It keeps the manufacturers on their toes because we've seen other airlines go wholly down the track of one manufacturer, which gives greater efficiency in terms of engineering and maintenance support, spares holdings, and as you say, commonality of pilots. But it equally puts a risk of an airline being in the hands of one manufacturer and feeling somewhat trapped. We've recently seen IAG, which is a a large European group here, which includes Iberia and British Airways uh, amongst its uh, portfolio, go down the track of ordering some Boeing 737 MAX short haul because they felt trapped mm-hmm. with, with Airbus, so they're dividing the fleet. So like John also mentioned, and you also rightly pointed out, there are advantages of having a common fleet across the airline, but there are advantages of having multiple suppliers. I mean, you are not dependent on one supplier. But if you break this order between the LCC arm and the FSC arm, we will notice that the LCC arm has homogeneous fleet. They are mostly relying on 737 maxes. That is what, uh, you know, like my understanding is. And the FSC arm will have multiple aircraft types. But if you look at global FSCs, that's a widely followed practice. If an FSC is wanting to target long-haul routes, they will have to have wide-body aircraft in their fleet. Within the wide-body, they would need to have some flexibility in terms of choosing different aircraft types, etc. So the LCC that Tata Group is trying to set up will have only 737, so they will have all economy configuration, so there will be no challenges with respect to aircraft replaceability or swapping. And also, if we look at the two LCC and FSCs separately, the size, the scale and size of uh, fleet that they are expecting or that they have ordered about 200 aircraft is enough for them to have, you know, economies of scale, is enough for them to have negotiated a better deal from OEMs uh, for airframes or for engines, for their aftermarket services. So it is not a subscale operation, at least on the narrow body aircraft and on the wide body as well. At least as of now, it looks that each aircraft type will have decent scale 
and if the contracts are negotiated well i think they can they can manage their costs well while this is great news the this is a mammoth order great news lots of aircraft refurbishment of product widening of network building of brand all that's great but let's not forget air india has plenty of legacy issues to deal with back home i'd like to ask each one of you amit and john what are the three things that air india needs to do really needs to sort out really really quick so that it can quickly make use of the incoming aircraft to build its presence so i think anirvan the airline is undergoing through a very very complex task i think it is one of the most complex restructuring and a merger activity that has happened uh, globally in aviation so going forward i expect that they should not lose focus on the customers they should definitely communicate with the customers much better they should focus on their on time performance their operational efficiency if they want to you know grow in the indian market and get customer confidence the software aspects of the product also is very important they are the only fsc in the indian market currently after vistara and air india merger i think they have a very strong strategic advantage for being the only premium carrier and for the premium travelers of india they are the only choice so they need to work on the softer aspects of the product the first class product business class product that becomes very important for them because corporate travel is key for any fsc business obviously in the short term some of the teething problems may obviously be there and for such a complex task obviously you need to have a time frame in mind and i think tata is going with that mindset so they have the financial strength and patience to you know achieve what they are wanting to achieve right john i wanted to ask you i mean the same question but if there are any global parallels of other airlines which have had legacy problems and you know not inter necessarily related but also placed a huge order of such variety of aircraft and build a new brand etc is is there is there a global parallel to it and of course what should air india do to solve its own problems back back home i would echo what uh, amit said already about uh, the the reliability and punctuality of the operation air india historically has not had a good performance and reputation for reliability and it's fundamentally it doesn't matter what brand you have what image what's a sexy onboard service if you're not basically reliable punctual uh, and not cancelling flights you don't have anything else to offer so there, there has to be a grip on that and we've seen that uh, as a focus of uh, many other airlines around the world of course for have been historic losses as a need to get a grip on these losses it requires a clear financial focus on the cost of the operation if we compare to elsewhere perhaps a key element in in first of all fusing all this group of companies together you know air india air, air asia vistaris is quite an eclectic mix but behind that mix are human beings people who work for these airlines and i've been through several mergers myself and no matter what the economics look like on paper no matter what aircraft you have in your fleet or orders coming up it comes back to people we need to see the, the management focusing very very single mindedly on getting the 
the staff all on board, all singing, so to speak, off the same hymn sheet, all feeling the same motivation, and over time, assimilating several different business cultures. And that's no easy task. It can go on for decades. And, and we've seen mergers around the world which where, where this issue has been tackled effectively. A new successful period has developed for the airlines in question. Having this fantastic order announced is, is of course, really good news. It should be positive, not only for Air India as a group, but for India as a country. But there are wider challenges of infrastructure, airport congestion, surface access. That requires the political will to work with the airline. As we've seen elsewhere, where, for example, again, I mentioned the UAE previously in, in Dubai, it's just second nature that the airline is seen, Emirates is seen as an important part of Dubai's performance uh, as a country, as an economy. And we need to see the same working hand in hand behind between politicians and the airline to ensure that as this growth of fleet and modernization of fleet takes place, that there is a, a clear and balanced approach to making sure that it's successful for all parties. There are many aspects to the Air India plane purchase deal. Geopolitics is one of those aspects. This deal could bolster India's trade ties with the US and Europe. For Tata's as a conglomerate, the deal may bring in more business from Airbus and Boeing, for whom Tata companies already make aircraft parts. It could also mean that the plane and engine makers make investments into India's larger aviation infrastructure. In fact, Boeing has already pledged 200 crore rupees in a logistics park. And of course, such a voluminous order would mean not just massive discounts, but also cheap maintenance contracts for Air India. Remember those bulk plane orders that Indigo's always placed? The contracts from those orders are a big reason for its profitability. And Arindam tells me Tata's negotiated very hard and got great deals. And those could really help its finances going forward. But the primary impact will be on Air India's future as an airline, as a product, as a brand, as a network carrier. The deliveries are starting this year itself, thanks to Air India jumping the queue ahead of other global customers. American carriers have already made deep cuts to their flight capacities following the Russia-Ukraine war. Air India has tried to take advantage of that by starting multiple flights to the US already. The big planes like A350s and Boeing 777s can only take that story forward. In the next few years, Air India has to aim to acquire the largest chunk of international premium traffic from the cabins of Emirates and its peers in the Gulf, as well as the Singapore Airlines and the Lufthansa's of the world. There are incoming aircraft for domestic operations too. Those can be deployed to bolster point-to-point -point traffic at home and strongly compete with market leader Indigo, with Air India's mix of low fare and premium services. But meanwhile, Air India needs to grapple with large issues back home. Its existing fleet is a mess, its services are still irregular and its finances are as weak as ever. Customers love these new stories, but they don't love the airline yet. Resolving those issues aren't entirely exclusive to getting new planes. In fact, one will lead to the resolution of the other. But the runway has to be cleared for these new assets to land and then take Air India to unprecedented heights. You were listening to this episode on The Morning Brief. 
It was shaped by our executive producer Anupriya Nair, sound designed by Rajas Naik. Anupriya's fellow executive producers on The Morning Brief are Arijit Barman and myself. Please like, share and subscribe to The Morning Brief on our very own audio platform ET Play or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Anirban Chaudhary signing off. Have a great week ahead. All clips used in this episode belong to their respective owners. Credits are mentioned in the description.